Thanks for tuning in to this Journey Bible Church sermon podcast. Join us every week for fresh sermons from God's Word by subscribing to this podcast wherever you listen most. If you're looking for a church in the Kansas City metro, come check out one of our church campuses for worship on Sundays. Now, we hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm uh, Colton Tatham. Uh, If you're watching over in Fellowship Hall or you're watching online, uh, I'm Journey Bible Church's West Campus pastor. Uh, Today, we're going to be beginning a new sermon series uh, titled All In, A Call to Be the Church. Uh, So as our church heads into a new season of multiplication, uh, we want more than anything to see all of you all in for the ways that Jesus calls the church to follow him. Uh, In this short series, we're going to navigate Journey Bible Church's mission and vision, our values, and our pathway for Christian growth. Um, And in each sermon, we'll see how our mission, our vision, our values, and pathway all flow straight from the Bible into a call for church action. So to kick off this series, uh, we're going to look at Jesus's call in Matthew 4, 18 through 22. You can find that in your bulletins if you want, and that's what Sean read for us. And Jesus's call to follow me really fundamentally shapes our mission and vision here at Journey Bible Church. And before we dig into this call, though, I do want to share just a story about why going all in really matters. Uh, several years ago, uh, my dad and I took a day trip uh, to Lake Tanicomo in Branson, Missouri for some fishing. Um, if you've never been to Tanicomo before, it's a popular fishing spot uh, where you can catch rainbow and brown trout all year long. Uh, in fact, Tanicomo gets stocked with over half a million trout every year, which is awesome because that's a lot of fish to catch. Uh, the ice cold water is crystal clear. So in the shallower parts of the lake, you can sometimes see the trout swimming to the surface. Uh, During this trip, we mostly fished from the dock. In fact, most people were fishing from the dock that day. And that's because a big one had decided to swim up and work around there. For whatever reason, this large rainbow trout uh, swam up to the surface and just stayed there all day. It stayed there tempting every fisherman to catch it. And of course, all the anglers tried to catch the big one with lures and salmon eggs and worms and power bait, you named it. Everybody must have tried everything except for dynamite to catch this thing. But this large, lazy trout just wouldn't bite. It swim right up to your bait, and then it swim right away, again and again and again. It, it was infuriating. At the end of the day, We had only caught a few small trout, but nothing like the big one still lurking along the dock. Everyone else, though, had given up and called it a day, but I was convinced my dad and I could catch it. So before heading home, my dad decided to try something no one else had tried yet, and he decided to go all in. And no, he didn't jump into the ice-cold lake. Uh, We were fishing with something called power bait. And it's a special colorful dough that's scented to attract fish, and hungry trout love it. 
Normally, you only need a tiny bit to actually catch a trout, but my dad decided to go all in with fresh power bait. Uh, that was multiple jars worth as he formed this massive bait ball around his hook. Now, this ball of bait was bigger than the trout's head, and sure enough, it got the trout's attention. It slowly swam towards the bait, and for the first time all day, it began pecking at the bait, and so we immediately grabbed the net. There wasn't a lot of reeling in since this trout was so close to the surface. It gobbled up the whole ball of power bait. My dad hooked it, he landed it in the net, and the big one was ours. It was quite the catch and quite the story. We had the big one mounted and it's on display in my dad's office now and it's not a record setting catch or anything, but that large, lazy rainbow trout that sat at the dock all day waiting to be caught wasn't caught by the most skilled anglers and it wasn't caught with the most expensive fishing equipment. It was caught with Walmart rods and power bait by a father and son who were willing to go all in when others had given up and gone home. The lesson that I learned from the big one is that if you want to catch the big one, then you've got to go all in and not give up. The same lesson is true when it comes to following Jesus. If you're not passionate to follow Jesus with all-in determination, you'll miss out and the opportunity will swim away. In Matthew 4, 19, Jesus calls out, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It is this call in the Bible that helps to inspire our mission statement here at Journey Bible Church, and that is, we are journeying together to passionately follow Jesus. Our mission is simply to answer the call from Jesus to be the church it is the call to follow Jesus, not as individuals, but united together. And no one can answer the call to follow Jesus half-heartedly, no. You've got to be passionate about following him. You've got to go all in to follow him. Now, mission statements help us kind of understand what God has called us to do. Vision statements, on the other hand, help remind us what we're waiting to see God himself do. And here at Journey, our vision is that we are a movement of Christ followers transforming our community and the world. We're just one church, but we realize that we're a part of a larger movement of Christ followers. And this movement is made up of followers from every tongue, tribe, nation, and generation. It's our mission to follow Jesus, but it's our vision that God would use Jesus' followers to transform the world through pro the proclamation of the gospel, through the good deeds of Christian men and women, and through the faithful prayers of the church. Now, whether it's our mission statement or our vision statement, both of them ultimately start with Jesus Christ. So in this message, we're going to be examining Jesus' call in Matthew 4. We're going to examine three features of Jesus' call to follow and then look at how it applies to our church today. 
Now let's get right in. The first feature of Jesus' call is that Jesus' call is unordinary. There is simply some things about the nature of Jesus' call that are just kind of odd. But if history has taught us anything, it's that sometimes the unordinary ways of doing things are what forge the best path toward innovation. One example from the world of sports is the baseball story retold in the movie Moneyball. Uh, Moneyball is a film starring Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, and it's based on a nonfiction book called Moneyball, The Art of Winning an Unfair Game. The story is about the rise of what was once an unpopular and unorthodox strategy of recruiting a team for Major League Baseball called Sabermetrics. Now, statistics have always been important in baseball, but Sabermetrics took it to the whole new level, just a whole new level of applied data science. In 2002, the Oakland Athletics had $44 million in which to build a competitive playoff team. Now, that may sound like a lot of money, but Oakland had to compete against teams in the draft like the New York Yankees, who spent over $125 million in that same season on player salaries. Teams with more money simply had an unfair advantage in the league because they could afford to buy the better players. Even so, the managers of the Oakland Athletics believed their team could still be competitive even with their limited budget. However, it would require them to go all in on sabermetrics. Now, sabermetrics had been around the 1970s, but it wasn't until 2002 with the Oakland A's that a team really went all in with this unordinary strategy. Amazingly, the Athletics became the second most winningest team that year. The A's also won their division, they qualified for the playoffs, and famously won 20 consecutive games during their season. Fast forward to today, 19 years later, with the rise of machine learning and supercomputers, Sabermetrics has begun changing the way Major League Baseball teams are built and how the game is played. Something as unordinary as using math to recruit an athlete became something revolutionary in the sports industry. The Oakland A's showed the world that the smartest team could effectively compete against the richest team. They changed the game forever, but it first required them to go all in to win in a way no one else had done before. Jesus does this same thing when he calls the first disciples. He uses unordinary means to unleash revolutionary results. So what makes Jesus' call so unordinary? Well, first, Jesus calls his disciples in an unusual place. Matthew 4.18 tells us the unusual place that Jesus began his ministry was the region of Galilee. Now, ordinarily, one might expect the Messiah to begin his ministry in Jerusalem. That, that might make sense, or in the temple, or maybe Mount Sinai. But instead, Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. 
Uh, the name Galilee literally means circle or district, and the name is shorthand for the fuller expression, district of the Gentiles. It was a northern backwater region populated by about 300,000 people across 200 small towns. Many Galileans didn't even really speak or read Hebrew very well like the Judeans did in Jerusalem. They spoke a language called Aramaic. This meant that they were easily identified by their thick accents whenever they tried to speak in Hebrew. For example, a Galilean in Jerusalem would stick out like a New Yorker speaking in London. Galileans had a reputation for a lackluster devotion to God, and that's because they had a preference for assimilating with those who did not belong to the people of God. And from a Judean's perspective, they had the inability to speak the language of God properly. The ordinary place that a renowned rabbi would typically start his career would have been in the royal court or an academy or a temple. But Jesus chooses to start his ministry in an unusual place that had no hallmarks of power, of faith, of wealth, or fame. Jesus' call is unordinary, and Galilee is unusual, but the disciples were also unconventional people. Ordinarily, a rabbi would want to follow, uh, want followers that were trained in rhetoric, religion, language, and philosophy. Uh, for instance, the book of Acts tells us that the apostle Paul first began as a young Jewish disciple trained at the feet of a famous Pharisee whose name was Gamaliel. According to a Jewish commentary, Gamaliel was so highly thought of that at his death in the first century, it said, when Rabban Gamaliel the elder died, the glory of the Torah, the glory of the law ceased and the purity and saintliness perished. If you were to become a disciple of the Pharisee Gamaliel, you had to demonstrate you were the best of the best, the wisest of the wise, and the holiest of the holy. To follow Jesus, on the other hand, all you really needed to do was to be able to catch a fish. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were unconventional people for a rabbi to call as his first disciples. They were Galilean fishermen. They had no special education, no wealth, no merit, no honor that would qualify them to learn at the feet of a famous Pharisee. So why then would the Son of God call Galilean fishermen to follow him? Well, Jesus' unordinary call to follow me in an unusual place and to unconventional people teaches us that anyone, anyone can become an all-in follower of Jesus. The unordinary nature of who Jesus calls as his first disciples shows us that Jesus is calling followers who aren't great in the eyes of the world, but followers who are humble, leadable, and eager you see, if you were to wage everything on your personal achievements in life, you can't really follow Jesus like a humble Galilean fisherman. 
If you were to wage everything on your status, legacy, and authority in life, you can't really follow Jesus like a leadable Galilean fisherman can. If you were to wage everything on the wealth and comfort you've accumulated in this life and plan to pass on, you can't follow Jesus like an eager Galilean fisherman can. However, anyone, anyone can become an all-in disciple if they're humble, leadable, and eager to follow Jesus with the kind of passion that we see in Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Jesus' call isn't just unordinary, though. Jesus' call is also extraordinary. Now, for something to be extraordinary, it's got to be incredible. It's got to be mind-blowing. It's got to be game-changing. So what makes Jesus' call so extraordinary? Well, first, Jesus' call is unique. His call is unique in the sense that Jesus turns the traditional pattern of discipleship upside down. He takes the way of the world and he inverses it. Ordinarily, disciples were the ones who found their teacher, not the other way around. For example, in Acts, it was Paul who sought out the teacher Gamaliel. In 1 Kings, it's Elisha who sought out his teacher Elijah. In 2 Kings, students from everywhere sought out Solomon. But then we come to Matthew 4, and Jesus is the one seeking out his students. The way of the world was for disciples to find their teachers. But Jesus inverses this by being the teacher who finds his disciples. This is extraordinary because Jesus' great mission to his disciples is to make more disciples. At the end of Matthew, in chapter 28, Jesus declares, go and make disciples of all nations. Yet at the beginning of Matthew, in chapter 4, Jesus is already teaching disciple-making by practicing disciple-making. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. In other words, follow me, and I will make you disciple-makers. Jesus' extraordinary call is unique. Not only does he inverse the standard practice in the world, but he practices exactly what he preaches. The second thing that makes his call extraordinary is that Jesus' call is effective. There is a spiritual power in the call of Jesus to effectively cause whatever he calls. We see this in the way the disciples respond to Jesus' call. Matthew 4, 20 through 22 says, Immediately, immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, Jesus saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and Jesus called them. Again, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. This immediate response of Peter, Andrew, James, and John to Jesus' call is just extraordinary. They immediately obey Jesus' call to follow, which means they had no hesitation. They immediately left their nets and their boats. A fisherman doesn't just leave their boats behind, but they did. They left their property and their livelihood behind them. 
And they immediately left their father, which means they left their family behind. This tells us that the effectiveness of Jesus' call is absolute. His true followers hear the call, and his true followers respond to the call. They go all in and are willing to leave anything behind that would hold them back. You know, by way of illustration, one of the most frightening races in the Winter Olympics is called Skeleton. Uh, Not only is the name kind of scary, but skeleton racers are kind of scary. In a skeleton race, one athlete sprints and then jumps headfirst onto a tiny metal uh, sled. Uh, Then that racer plummets through a narrow, winding, icy chute at speeds over 80 miles per hour. One wrong slip can flip the sled and just spell disaster for the racer. In the 2018 Winter Olympics, South Korea's Yoon Sung Bin became the world's fastest man in skeleton. He goes by his nickname, Iron Man. While racing, he wears a red Iron Man helmet, uh, just like the Marvel superhero. And during his Winter Olympic run, the Iron Man set three course records and clenched South Korea's first gold medal ever in skeleton. Uh, If you had the chance to watch the Iron Man race, then you might remember that one of his keys to victory wasn't just the way that he finished the race. It was the way that he started his race. His ability to start was unrivaled. No other skeleton racer could sprint through the starting gate with as much speed, purpose, focus, ferocity, and intensity as the Iron Man. When Jesus calls his disciples to follow me, this is more than a simple invitation. Jesus is calling his disciples to start the race. And in a race, you're either all in or you're not in. There's no in-between. When we receive the call from Jesus to follow me, we could hesitate, we could wait, we could think about it, or we could charge immediately after him like the Iron Man charges down the skeleton chute. Jesus is not calling us to timidly approach. He's calling us to follow him in our race for our lives. And if you're racing for your life, you're either all in or you're not in. You're either passionate to follow Jesus or you're not. You can't hedge your bets and follow Jesus. You can't carry stuff with you and follow Jesus. If you're going to make it to the finish line, if you're going to hear, well done, if you're going to receive the gold from the kingdom of God, you must be willing to leave everything behind and have the determination to follow Jesus with whatever it takes. Jesus' call is unordinary. Jesus' call is extraordinary. And lastly, Jesus' call is revolutionary. And his call is worth going all in for. J.C. Ryle, um, a commentator, describes the revolutionary effects of Jesus' followers in history. And he, he writes this, The religion of Christ, Christianity, must have been from heaven. 
or it never, never could have prospered and overspread the earth as it is done. It was a religion which did not flatter the rich, the great, or the learned, a religion which offered no license to the carnal inclinations of man's heart, a religion whose first teachers were poor fishermen without rank or wealth or power, such a religion could never have turned the world upside down if it had not been of God. Look at the Roman emperors and the heathen priests and their splendid temples on one side. Then look at a few unlearned men with working with the gospel on the other. Were ever two parties ever so unequally matched. Yet the weak proved strong and the strong proved weak. Heathenism fell and Christianity took its place. Christianity must have been of God. Revolutions happen all the time in this world. But the spiritual revolution that lasts and continues to this day ultimately comes from Christ. Now, the image on this screen is the image of revolution. Uh, this ornate book was actually printed in the 1450s, if you can believe it. It's beautiful. Uh, it's a copy of the Gutenberg Bible, and it's almost 500 years old. It was the first book to ever be mass-produced by Gutenberg's industrial printing press, and his printing press helped change history. Um, during the Age of Reformation in Europe and the centuries that followed, more and more people could finally own their own personal Bible. For the first time ever, people all around the world began translating God's word into their own languages. You no longer needed to become a scholar who learned Latin, Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic. You could read and hear God's word for yourself in your own language. As printing and digital technology advanced, so did the quantity, quality, and affordability of Bibles. Today, there are more copies of the Bible than any other book in the world. Today, the Bible has been translated into more languages than any other book in the world. In fact, your giving here at Journey Bible Church actively supports the translation of the Old Testament right now into a language called Womeo for Wonun Christians who live in the rainforest of Panama. All around the world, people are now able to read and hear Jesus' revolutionary call to follow me in their own language. Now the result of this call is twofold. First, Jesus' call is revolutionary because it transformed followers. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The implication here is that those who receive his call will be transformed by his call. Jesus could have said, well, follow me and I will teach you or you will learn how to become fishers of men, but he doesn't do that. Jesus instead promises that he will be the one who will transform his disciples into followers who can make disciples. You see, you may not be able to change yourself before you follow Jesus, but Jesus can surely transform you to follow him if you'll receive his call through faith. Now, secondly, Jesus' call is revolutionary because it transformed the world. In fact, his call to follow me is still transforming the world. 
Not only is God's word being translated into every tongue, but the number of professions of faith, of baptism, and of churches planted grows every day. We can be encouraged by what we see happening overseas. The global church is growing and booming in the east and even in the places where Christianity is persecuted most. Jesus says in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Remember, if you follow Jesus, you follow the Lord and Savior who overcomes the world. And one of the ways that Jesus is overcoming the world is through the church. The church is made up of all-in followers. And all-in followers make all-in followers. Jesus calls us to transform the world not by changing the world first. Rather, Jesus calls us to transform the world by calling people to follow him first. If you're someone who longs to see the world change, it starts by calling people to experience new life in following Christ. The world, the government, laws, institutions, those things will never change in a lasting way if people are not first changed through following Jesus Christ. By his own example, Jesus doesn't topple Jerusalem or the Roman emperor through a coup or social revolution. Historically, Jerusalem and Rome did fall, but not because Christ followers were on a war path, no. Jesus simply calls ordinary people like Galilean fishermen to follow him and make disciples. The nature of his call is unordinary, but the power of his call is extraordinary, and the result of his call is revolutionary. So strive Strive to be an all-in disciple, making all-in disciples for Jesus. In Acts 14, Jesus' followers demonstrate what it practically looks like for the church to be a movement that you, God uses to transform the world. Verses 21 through 23 say this, When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So how is Journey Bible Church going all in? Well, the book of Acts is all about what Jesus' first disciples did with their calling. And what we learn is that all-in disciples produce all-in churches, and all-in churches produce all-in disciples. So as Journey Bible Church heads into a new season of ministry, as we emerge from recent tribulations such as the pandemic, we are going to follow the unordinary, extraordinary, and revolutionary example of four fishermen and a carpenter. 
We are going all in for disciple making and we are going all in for church multiplication. One cannot happen without the other. The two, they go hand in hand. So through this sermon series, do not be surprised if you hear preachers calling you to fulfill Jesus' call to go all in to make disciples. But you know, as you can see in today's service, we're in the process of launching something new. We're in the process of starting a disciple-making outpost on the west side of Olathe because we don't wanna just multiply Christ followers, we wanna multiply communities of Christ followers through new groups and through a new church campus. This is how Journey Bible Church will be going all in. But what about each of you? How will you be going all in? Well, the challenge that I want to leave some of you with is this. What would it look like for you to go all in for Jesus this next year? When 2022 is over and you look back over the months you lived, are you going to be proud of the way that you followed Jesus? Are you going to follow him with the kind of passion that leads an Olympian to receive the gold medal? Or, like many others, are you going to let yourself be overwhelmed by trial and tribulation, bitterness and cynicism, division and polarization, and let the enemy make you unfruitful? Jesus tells us all-in followers make all-in followers. Disciple-making is possible. It's possible because Jesus has overcome the enemy and Jesus has overcome the world. You see, the map on the screen represents the west side of Olathe. Some of you may think downtown is the west side of Olathe, but downtown is actually east of this map. It doesn't even show up on here. In recent years, this area of our community has exploded with new residential development. People, I guess, really like living in the city of Olathe. That's awesome. That red box there represents about several square miles of the city, and over 15,000 people and four public schools, including the new high school, are in that box. Over the next decade, 10,000 more people are expected to move west of Parker Street. What many of you may not know is that there is not a single church, there is not a single church gathering to meet right now inside of that red box. 25 minutes from this church building is a growing part of our city that no other church is in a position right now to sufficiently shepherd and serve with the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. Church, literally, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Journey Bible Church feels called to go all in to reach this part of the city. And if we don't go all in, then we're gonna miss out. But you see, we can't do this alone. We can't do it without you. We need your help. God has provided us with 50 faithful laborers who've already decided to help us reach the west side, but we think we need 50 more to make the kind of missional impact that we're praying for to reach this side of Olathe. 
So for some of you, God is calling you to go. God is calling you to go serve Journey Bible Church West, maybe just for a season. You may need something new in your life. You may have been praying for something to jumpstart your spiritual growth, or maybe you just want the joy of being able to tell the next generation one day that you started a new endeavor for the glory of God. Whatever it is, we need you and we can use you to reach new people and new families for Jesus Christ. Because if we want to see the west side of Aletha spiritually transformed, then the west side of Aletha needs a disciple-making community that's actually present there. But it starts with many of you in this room answering the call, Jesus' call, to follow me into a new frontier. Now for others of you, God is calling you to do. You've been a hearer of the word for some time, but now it's time for you to step up and be a doer of the word. Maybe you've been through some training, but you've been comparing yourself to a rabbi like Paul and not to a fisherman like Peter. You see, following Jesus is not like following Gamaliel, as a result, you know, you might be frustrated that you haven't led anyone to Christ for a while. And, you know, this might be because you're feeling a burden from the world to become a scholar and to become a saint before you become a disciple maker. My challenge to you this next year is the same challenge from the book of James. Be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. If Galilean fishermen can follow Jesus and make disciples. If Wona natives can follow Jesus and make disciples, how much more should Johnson County Christians be able to follow Jesus and make disciples? Lastly, God is calling some of you to serve. You've been attending church. This might be your first Sunday, and that's awesome. Uh, you've been worshiping God, and that's awesome too. But when it comes to serving, volunteering, you know, serving the body. There always seems to be something that, you know, gets in the way. My challenge to you is that you would take the 90 minutes or so that you spend here at church on Sunday and you would try to double it. Try to double it. Let Sunday be a day where you worship with believers and a day that you serve the local body of Christ Join us in service here, join us in service in West Aletha, but be sure that you're not missing out on the joy of serving the body of Christ. You know, no matter how Jesus might be calling you to go all in, remember that our confidence to go all in doesn't come from us, it comes from God. Jesus calls us to follow him. But Jesus also promises that he's the one who will make us fishers of men. So Journey Bible Church, as we close this message, let Jesus be the reason that you go all in for the church this year. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you for using Jesus' unordinary call to unleash revolutionary transformation across the world. God, I pray that you would begin stirring in the hearts of members here today a desire to go all in for Jesus. Like Peter, Andrew, James, and John, God, we pray that your call would be spiritually effective. God, we pray 
that it would produce faith and renew faith in Jesus Christ. God, we pray that it would lead many more laborers to journey with us to reach the 15,000 souls on the other side of town. God, use Journey Bible Church for your glory. Lead us to go all in for disciple making and lead us to go all in for church multiplication. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, all God's people said, amen. This podcast was produced by Journey Bible Church in Olathe, Kansas. If you're interested in learning more about our church, visit journeybible.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast, and we'd appreciate a positive rating and would encourage you to share this program with a friend. Thank you for listening.